Welcome to Disney's Four Scores. I'm John Burlingame. This podcast series brings together the most accomplished film and television composers working today and reveals the emotional journeys, inspirations, and unique challenges of their work. We're here today with Raphael Thibault, the composer of the four-part Secrets of the Whales from National Geographic, premiering on Disney Plus on Earth Day, April 22nd. Let's start with a little bit about your background, Raphael. You have a strong career as a composer, yet it's my understanding that you were born with serious hearing impairment. Is that true? Yeah, that's correct. I had many issues uh, with my ears, many surgeries and stuff when I was only a newborn. And it, it led to actually single-sided deafness, so I couldn't hear from my left ear. And yeah, it was that's actually the reason why my parents put me to the piano at a very early age. I was maybe three or four because the piano, you know, it doesn't have to be tuned, at least not by you. And also, I think that back then there were some studies that shown that piano was a great instrument to re-educate the hearing. So yeah, I think I can say that, yeah, music has been my, my path to recovery in that regard, because my hearing is perfect today. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So, so <laughs> yeah. you studied piano then uh, throughout your childhood? I did, yeah. I started around, yeah, age four at the conservatory in northern France, where I think I stayed for like a good 15 years. So strong classical training for a long time. And yes, and I think I was, I was into film music very, very early on. Without even knowing what it was, I was already, I think, very obsessed with anything that's on the audio end of a movie. So were, were you headed for a career as a composer early on then? Absolutely not. I think, like, it was not a thing at home. So I really don't know where it came from. And I just remember as a kid, you know, going to the theater and bringing my old recorder with me. And I would just record sound bites of the movies and then play around at home in my bedroom with them afterwards. And again, I don't think I was even aware of what a soundtrack was until I bought my first CDs. And I think that in my child mind, I was so obsessed by this that it in my mind, it, it could not be a job. I could not work and make a living out of this dream. So, so yeah, I was always attracted to this, but never really fully aware that it could be a, a job. So who were your, some of your favorite composers then? I've always been fascinated by the late post-romantic era in classical music. So all the Russian composers like Tchaikovsky, Musovsky, Rachmaninoff. You know, I think it's actually another early sign that I was very into composing because a lot of the film music today, you know, has been influenced by the dramatism, the large orchestral aspect of the late Romantic era, uh, the use of light motive, the emotiveness of the music and stuff like that. And I was really into it. And I think it's like an unconscious fascination for cinematic music. And I think that was actually another early sign that this was my thing. <laughs> You know, the composers moving between classical and jazz, all the uh, genius polymaths like Gershwin, Bernstein. And when it comes to really film music, I would say that my core influence was the, the cinema of the 60s and 70s in France and Italy. So Morricone, of course, Nino, Nino Rota, uh, Giorgio Mora, François de Roubaix, Georges Delerue, all these fantastic composers. So what led to your being chosen to score this National Geographic project? Two agents approached me years ago and asked, you know, asked for me to pitch for the show. And initially I was supposed to only score 
the first episode. Uh, they, I think they wanted to have multiple composers for the show. And I ended up scoring for the four episodes because I think they were happy with what I did. So that was great. And these, these two agents are still my agent today. So a uh, good takeaway that you need to have people who believe in you very early on. Yeah. So tell us about Secrets of the Whales. This is a four-part documentary about these majestic creatures. How did mm. you begin? It's hard not to think of the Big Blue and the incredible soundtrack by Eric Serra back in the 80s, where he created these hunting majestic sounds of whales with synthesizers are not real. One thing that I didn't know. And I know that the brief at the very beginning for the show, they, they didn't really want to have whale sounds because I think they were scared that it would create a conflict between the narration and also the actual sounds of the whales in the show. But I think I had to do it. So, so I found a way to just recreate also uh, with synthesizers sound of whales incorporated to the music. You know, there's this thing that the music is very often thought as a man-made thing, but I think this show taught me that music is actually all around, especially in nature, especially around the whales. And to me, it was like creating music out of the ultimate original music, you know, the whales singing, the waves crashing. So I used a lot of roles and symbols to kind of try to illustrate the waves, uh, lush strings to try and illustrate the, the movements, majestic movements of just big, huge animals. And also, of course, ethereal vocals, because I think it's a highly spiritual show. There's a lot of spiritual stuff going on. So. What's your own relationship with the ocean? Have, have you ever seen a whale up close? No, I didn't. I, if there's one thing that remains from my old days being, you know, half deaf, is that I cannot go under the water. Uh, it, it hurts too much. So it was interesting to write something about these animals that, I mean, I will never be able to go through those places, probably. So it was interesting. It's hard not to be fascinated by these huge animals, but I've learned so much about them through this show and I've learned that they're actually even more sophisticated than we think. Like the ways societies are very similar to our societies as human and it's just incredible to find out about all these cultural differences they have depending on where they live. They have different feeding technique, different parenting strategies depending on where they are on the planet. Identity matters a lot to them. All these things really just helped me to relate even more and to convey emotion through my music. And I hope and I believe that the same will happen with the audience. The series looks at four different whale species. Is there an overall sound that you felt described them all or do you take a different approach with each part? Not really. I think that the only thing that would change, I think it was with the belugas, because they have this very specific way of communicating, this like tickling sound that I had to be very careful about the way I would use percussive stuff or piano because it was too high pitched to actually not conflict with the sounds of the belugas. So there were some like things here and there I had to be very cautious to be sure to not overlap what was going on on the screen. Didn't really write a theme 
for every single animal, if that's the question. There's like a couple of themes throughout the show, but they're not related to a specific species. Did this score need to have an orchestra? Is that the primary voice that you felt was necessary here? I think it was in the mind of the production team anyway, but I think I've I've added a lot of hybrid stuff also in the score. Like I think I would say like for most of the tracks, it's 40% is like hybrid stuff. Syn- you know, synth, pads, drones, a lot of pulsing elements as well. Did you record with an orchestra? Is there an orchestra that we're hearing here? And if so, how complicated was that to accomplish during the pandemic? Oh uh, yeah, so no, that that's the thing. Like the, it was not planned to be recorded ever, not even from the beginning. So it was it was both a challenge and a blessing to me. I know we hear a lot that recording with an orchestra is always better, and I totally agree with that. And also because you want to work with human beings, it's always better. <laughs> Nothing tops that, right? But I love also composing and mixing in the box because to me it's a creative challenge like another. And I love challenges <laughs> and working on pieces that are not intended to be recorded and working on pieces for ahead of an orchestra recording session. There are two completely different processes in the studio when you start composing. And so I had to work around a lot of limitations. That was a big challenge because I think because of my classical background, I cannot stand to hear something that doesn't sound authentic. So I'm just going to do whatever it takes, even if it means that I have to change the music, the melody, the instrumentation to make it work and to feel like, oh, that was not recorded, but at least oh, that sounds like it, it could be something that was recorded. But actually ended up adapting and writing more music for a live orchestra because there is going to be a live concert experience for the show in 2022. It's going to be like a music to picture show with a huge screen paired with a 60 player orchestra. So it's going to be pretty amazing. And I had to write new music for that or adapt the already existing one. And at that point, I had to switch mode. I was like, okay, this is not the same as writing for the show. And my creative process was different. You know, there's this new dimension where you have to think, oh, but how many strings I could have there? And the amazing aspect of having worked on a hybrid slash, you know, orchestral version of the music for the show before was that I had a lot of hybrid stuff that I could add up to what's going to be recorded to make the music sound even richer and interesting when played live. So I had to work with my amazing orchestrator and it was like a whole new process that had nothing to do with what we did before for the show itself for Disney Plus. So that was an amazing experience to have the both experiences in one project. So we should probably explain uh, to our listeners that when you say hybrid, you're talking about uh, Mm -hmm. both orchestra and electronic. Exactly. Hybrid would be like, I mean, we call that hybrid. The hybrid sounds in a show would be any everything that's not orchestral. So the pad synth, the, you know, whale sounds, the uh, pulsing. So even like some percussions that are going to be very difficult to replicate live that are probably going to be used as well as a backup track. So, yeah, hybrid means exactly that, yeah. Is there a live orchestra we're hearing, or is it? No. So you created it all in your studio? Yes, that was all in my studio. All you can hear on the show right now and what's going to be 
released on the 22nd of April. And it's all in the box music. So yeah. then when we see the experience next year on a stage, it will actually yes. be with an orchestra and the picture. Yes. How oh, fascinating. It's gonna be, I mean, I can't wait. I'm counting the days. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing. We do hear a lot of piano. Is that you we're playing? Yeah, this is my, my good old piano. I put a lot of piano in anything I do. It's very central in my music. A major theme in the series is the idea of whale communication, whale songs, as you've already talked about. It, it, did that have an impact on what you wrote uh, or whether you need to accompany the whale songs that we hear? I think it probably had an unconscious impact on the way I was writing. Again, because I had to also be careful about not not be too present when you hear them singing or when you hear these belugas having this tickling language segments. I think I had to work around those things very much. But yeah, I think it was just me being a little stubborn also and really wanting to try and at least recreate the whale singing because it was so tempting, because it's so gorgeous. We visit many different places around the world during the series, from Norway to Antarctica, Australia, the Mediterranean. Did the geography influence your choices at all? I think I tried not to pay attention to that because I wanted to be consistent. My main goal was you have to sound consistent throughout the four episodes. So I was more worried about trying to use the same elements, instrumentations, and sometimes themes. and. I really want it to sound like a one single big story about four species, you know, brought together. And I, I think that was more my core creative process here. I didn't want to be too obvious about it, if, if, you, if you see what I mean. Yeah, sure. I want it to be more about the whales than the, yeah. Than the places we visited. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see documentary scoring as different than that of a fictional feature? Uh, does it require a different approach or a different style of music? I think, and that's why I, I think I like it so much, but it's my own experience, of course. Usually get more freedom in the writing. And also it feels like the music is allowed it more to be present than in the fiction where it feels like, you know, I could allow my music to be very, like, huge and big, even though we had the narration going on or the sounds that were so important. It's like almost wall-to-wall -wall music. So music is very, very central in this show to my great pleasure. So I think that's what I would take away from that. I mostly made documentaries, so I don't really have a lot of elements to compare it with, but my feeling writing for this show was that I had so much freedom and it could be big. Nobody would ever tell me this is too big or this is, the music is way too present here. So I like that. <laughs> That's great to hear. And I'm sure it doesn't happen all that often in the life of no. a film composer. Absolutely, no, yeah, I think. What kind of uh, feedback or direction did you get from the filmmakers? Did they ever say what they were specifically looking for? And did that help you in your decisions? I, I felt so free. I think it was the one project that I felt really like I could express 
my ideas and come up with the creative angles and they would find it interesting. And to be honest, there were there was not tons of feedback, which was amazing. There was not like the, you know, usual back and forth. And it was really, oh, we just we just love what you did. Maybe it's just that at this very point, maybe we can have it a little less big or maybe a little bigger or there we want to emphasize the fact that it's sad or but it, it was never about the music or it sounds off or you should get another direction i felt very free about the creative directions that i took Disney's Four Scores is brought to you by the Four Scores Playlist, featuring music and interview clips from each composer featured in the podcast series, including Raphael Thibault's score for the four-part National Geographic series, Secrets of the Whales, now streaming exclusively on Disney+. The Four Scores Playlist is available on all major music streaming services. Experience the magic behind the music you love whenever you want. We not only hear your score, but we also hear the sounds of nature, the whales, we hear the sea, we sometimes hear other creatures that we see in the shows. Did you do any collaborating with the sound designers at all? Were you involved with them and what decisions they made? Uh, not at all. And I didn't integrate any sound, sound design elements in my music apart from the whales' recreated sounds. I don't think it was necessary at that point because I, I really had like this very stem with all the, you know, organic whale sounds, but that was pretty much it. So we get to meet along the way, orcas, humpbacks, belugas, and sperm whales. You already sort of suggested that you needed one sort of consistent sound for all four parts, but within the four episodes, were there different sounds that you needed to evoke or different musical themes? It's just that every time I would have these big movements when the whales are plunging into water, and usually in those moments, because they're so majestic, there's rarely narration over it. And I think that's where the themes you know, were very important is I, I was trying to kind of illustrating a peak in the episode at that point, like, oh, this is where they are showing off, like, you know, so I think that's where themes were important to me. And obviously, at the very beginning, pre-title sections, you know, it's important to have something that's consistent. A specific theme was made for that one. Another specific moment was the very end of the fourth episode where we just wrap up the show and we see all species all at once and it's like the big finale. And so what I did there were kind of a mix of the themes entangled together. But again, I wasn't asked to do that and I was really free to do whatever and I thought it was a good idea. And there are moments I think of great drama, really, in the course of the mm. four, uh, particularly when 
we feel that some of the younger whales are in trouble, are in danger, mm. and might not make it out. And I'm wondering if those emotional moments allowed you to sort of express perhaps a greater degree of drama. Absolutely. You were so on point. I don't know if you remember that one. The mother whale carries her dead calf for for days. She doesn't want to let, let, let go. And this is, of course, another prime example of how complex their emotional lives are. I had a few months baby at home back then when I scored this very moment, and that was tough. And I think it shows in the music. It's very dramatic. Usually when I have these, when I had these sad moments, you know, with the mother not able to, you know, locate her baby or stuff like that also, I would use solo instruments, which is always a little challenging when the music is not, when it's all in the box, there's no plan to record the music. Solo instruments like violins or cello are very difficult to really make them sound authentic. So that was a challenge, but I really wanted to have this more intimate solo, almost crying string instruments to illustrate these, to be honest, very sad, but also incredibly beautiful moments. Yeah, I don't think that any documentary about whales has ever demonstrated the complexity of the relationships, of their cultures. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this on television. I saw uh, documentaries about whales before, and this one, yeah, this one really, it was a slap in the face. Like, oh, they are actually like us. They, they are like us. They do it differently, but they're like us. And this mourning mother carrying her child to me was groundbreaking as yeah it, it is definitely something that I've never seen before people are fascinated by whales there are tons of boats all across the world every day for people who just want to sightsee them and and I think people don't really know them and this show is not just showing how wonderful majestic they are it, it goes so much deeper I think it's an amazing show some of the sure. scenes, uh, to me, have an almost ballet-like quality. And I mm -hmm. wonder if you saw them that way, and if that suggested perhaps a more classical approach from moment to moment. That's interesting. I don't really remember thinking this way. I do remember a very specific moment where we are being told that they organize kind of like, we should thinking as an orchestra. You know, like all the animals getting together and preparing something to happen. And so I used the pre-show tuning, tuning up. Yes. sounds of an orchestra. And I thought it was on point. But I think you're probably right. And maybe I did, you know, unconsciously. <laughs> so am I hearing voices at some point during the score? During the beluga and sperm whale episodes, I kind of thought, am I hearing voices? Or is that simply something that you created in your studio? There was a moment, I don't know if we're talking about the same moment, but there is a point where I used my voice to create some like scary pads. Um, so that maybe is what you're talking about, but it, it occurred like maybe twice, you know, throughout the show. But that was my voice tweaked with other synths, yes. 
indeed. If you noticed, I'm glad because I really don't, I really didn't thought, they didn't think that someone could, so I'm yeah, glad. I, I thought it was kind of deep in the mix and I thought, hmm, is that a voice I'm hearing? Probably my voice, yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. How long were you on the project? Oh, for a long time. Uh, I think it spread over maybe six months. And then I had to work on additional music to create this 19-minute condensed version of the show. And the transitions also, because I had to work on my existing cues and we'll have to, you know, glue them all together. So I had to, there was a lot of work, transitional work that I had to do. And then I had to work with, you know, along with my orchestrator, Paul, to create the score. So I can't say that we are not even done yet with <laughs> the show, which is great. I love sure, it. Sure, sure. What were your favorite moments to score throughout the four hours? When there's this, like those big movements, when they plunge into water and they create these huge waves. And like, of course that was amazing. But I think my two favorite moments to score have been the ones with the morning mother. Especially right after this moment, we have a aerial shot and we can see them from above. And this track is actually influenced by a cue that I wrote for my son when he was born. I didn't do it on purpose. I think I just did it because I was so moved by, you know, by what had happened right before with the mother. So I think that was a very special moment for me. And the other one, I think would be this incredible moment where we have an orca that's trying to feed Brian Scary a fish. And I don't know, like the orca just dropped it in, in front of him. Like he was some tiny hungry fish. And I, I don't know, I found this moment so moving, so sweet and quite disarming. And I think I, I, think I used uh, a, like vocals at, at that moment because I found it so spiritual and incredibly moving. And you could, you could tell after that Brian was very also moved by the experience, like what just happened? These acts of generosity and, and love in a world where we usually think eat or be eaten. And, they're animals, and at the end, and now this is this is beyond. Yes, that. they're much more than that. Uh, but you know what exactly. else I loved? There are moments of humor that you score in, I think, the, <laughs> yeah. perhaps the third and fourth episodes. And uh, I wonder if you could talk for a little bit about what inspired those choices. I think for that one, actually, maybe specifically these comical moments, I think they were the ones we had to put a lot of work on with because it was not necessarily easy to find the right tone because you, do, you didn't want to be too comical because it's still a beautiful moment. You don't want to make it completely awkward. So it was maybe the, the, the only moments where I was like, I'm just going to go rogue and try to be a little like, you know, silly and use all these weird solo expressions with the violins or the drums and creating something really light and funny that you could actually have in a animation cartoon for kids or stuff like that but still again I, I didn't want to I didn't want to be too cliche and I didn't want it to sound too comical I really want it to be still this is extraordinary what's what's going on uh, you know right now so I didn't want it to be too funny and I think that, that there were the moments where it was a little 
more challenging than others, actually. So that's that's a good point. <laughs> it's it's charming and lighthearted, and I think perfect for the moment. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> What would you say was the best part about being involved with this series? Good question. I honestly felt it was so humbling to work, to write music to these incredible animals. At some point, it always felt that I didn't deserve them, <laughs> if that even makes sense. Uh, that my music could never be beautiful enough to illustrate what they are. And I guess that also, of course, I have to mention that knowing that James Cameron was executive producer on this, for me, it was very humbling and also very stressful because I was 12 when Titanic was released. And there was this shift in my brain that happened when I saw Titanic when I was a kid. I did so much research on his work in the oceans. I was buying all the books around the making of the Titanic, not even the movie or the... Of course, I was completely in love with Leonardo DiCaprio because I was, you know, a 12 years old girl. But I, I remember doing so much research on the actual making of Titanic with James Cameron. So, and of course, James Horner's score was on repeat in my room for like maybe three years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my parents loved it. So I think because his work contributed to who I am today and uh, what I do today, I was really honored to also work on that, on that show. For It was really, I was very honored at so many levels to be able to work on that show. So tell me, what are you on to next? How can you possibly top this? I don't know, it's hard. I actually finished a score for a beautiful documentary about Selma Blair. It's called uh, Introducing Selma Blair. It actually premiered this week at South by Southwest Festival and it actually got an award and it's a, incredible intimate film about her struggle with MS and that was another incredible job that I had this year and I'm so proud and uh, yeah I'm working on like a couple of other projects that I really can't wait to be able to talk about and also working on a personal album because I kind of want to go back to just do music for myself and I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to release something early next year. So I'm excited about this too. Oh, we are too. That's really exciting to hear about. Um, Raphael, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. It's a very exciting project and we're so glad that your music is such an important part of it. Thank you so much for having me. I was really thrilled to talk to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Four Scores. Please subscribe and make sure to share this episode with your music-loving friends. It would also be great if you could rate it because that really helps others find the series. Check out National Geographic's Secrets of the Whales, now streaming on Disney+, and listen to the soundtrack wherever music is enjoyed.